0: Frank Gore Jr., Southern Miss Golden Eagles, and you're listening to Fun Belt Podcast,
1: Southern Miss to the top.
2: If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history.
0: I saw Fun Belt Conference,
3: and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I gotta join the show. It's a lot of fun. Well, first of all, I mean, it was just a great event. I mean, you had it's first class. I mean, you can tell the Sun Belt Conference, it's just a great conference and the commissioner to, you know, the other coaches. And I have a relationship with really all, most all the other coaches in the league, just from my years in college athletics. And also just so many of those coaches recruited our program so hard, you know, um, when, when I was there at Jones college. So, so I've already got a really strong, you know, relationship there. And so, you know, I think for sure, you know, it was, a, it was an opportunity, just good camaraderie, but also, you know, we learned a lot as far as just, you know, for the conference moving forward, but a great experience, great people, and uh, just an opportunity to kind of, like you say, get my feet wet a little bit from a standpoint of, you know, getting uh, used to the conference and the different different um, coaches and administration there in the conference.
1: So there we hear from ULM new women's head coach, Misty Bildelbach, talking about her time in Destin as she got indoctrinated to Sunbelt Conference. What do they call? I guess coaches meetings, off-season meetings, whatever we want to call them. She got to go to Florida. We didn't.
0: No, we didn't get to go. We weren't invited.
1: We were not invited. But Welcome she- in, Dusty Thibodeau, Warhawk Report. Jeremy Harper from HowlRazor, the funny guy. <laughs> And Shane Metland from the Daily News Record. Guys, it's, uh, it's off-season, so we're, we're, we're going every other week. Uh, how have things been here? Uh, you
0: we're know good. what? Let, let me let, – I don't know if it's the same thing in the newspaper business, Metland. Like, I know you're a serious reporter, and serious reporters always covering serious stories. But in my little neck of the woods, you know, where the amateurs play, you know what we call this time of year? It's, it's, it's uh, at the time of this recording, it's, it's May 31st, right? Tomorrow is June 1st. You know what that means? June 1st or June content. Do you know what June content is?
4: I believe we talked about this last June. Guess I've been on for a year.
0: (laughs) June content is when you kind of come up with dumb ass storylines. Like if your Sunbelt coach is a pizza topping, what would it be? And then you'd write a whole story about that. That's where we are right now, Metlin, Surely the Daily News Record, which is one, <laughs> so yeah, which has won so many Pulitzers, so many prizes internationally and nationally. Surely you guys don't descend into June content.
4: Ah, uh, <laughs> you know what? There's a lot of local summer baseball that okay. kind of takes uh, over the June content once a. Uh, once that happens around here. I mean, it gets a little hairy, but uh, it's not too bad.
0: It's desperate. I've already, even before June, I've already published a story about asteroids hitting <laughs> every single Sunbelt city. I've got a head start on June content. I, in fact, I think I kind of blew my shot here. I don't know if I have any June content left for June. Tibbs, what can to be give storylines?
1: Way to be an overachiever there, Jeremy. We're, we're, we're so proud of you that you color inside the lines. Um, we we ah. give you the gold star. We we honor thee with with uh, a trip to New Orleans. In, in, well, in and actually in, in just about a month yep. or two months, excuse me.
0: It's two months to the...
1: Two months. End, end of July.
0: Sunbelt days.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward already to June.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that, too. But you know what? You you ask what we're doing. I think what we're doing is the three of us all being citizens from teams, not not included into the festivities. I think the three of us are watching from the far, watching NCAA baseball unfold.
1: I'm OK with that. Okay. I mean, it, it, it's 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 my favorite time of the year is, is the regionals where you get to see the fours. You get to see uh-huh. some teams kind of squeak out uh, some wins. You get to see some sweat as yeah. as that four seed plays the number one seed and has that that early lead, only to watch it be blown away later on. I did see. Speaking of which, Jeremy, we got to pull our money, our our, our two dollars. Sure. We we need, we need the parlay of George Mason and Florida A and M in the national title game that pays five hundred k to one, baby.
0: Oh man! You know how how many interns we could afford if we had that kind of cash.
1: We're not getting an intern. We're 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 <laughs> definitely going to New Orleans and and probably not producing the first second of content from there. Or at least not one that we could share.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm watching the baseball unfold. Here's what we got, Tibbs. All right, so we've got we've got Coastal Carolina. At the beginning of the season, a little bit unexpected. I, I think everybody kind of predicted maybe a rebuilding year for Coastal, right? Tibbs, I think you were. In fact, I think you were big on that rebuild bandwagon for Coastal. Am I correct on that? Am I? Did I imagine that?
1: No, I, I, I did. I, I mean, I didn't I think. That 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 I didn't think they were going to be like god awful, like oh my god, where where this yeah. team come from? But I didn't think that they were going to be conference regular season champs and and number eight in the nation, getting ready to host a regional.
0: I'll do you one better, Tibbs. I got to the point where I was thinking to myself, maybe Coastal is a one-hit wonder when it came to baseball. Maybe, you know, that they did, were just sort of a perfect storm that year, that year before they hit the Sun Belt, winning the national championship. Then they come over to the Sun Belt, and they're not going to win a same uh, national champions. But, man, they look great this year. Also looking great and also kind of picked for their strength in baseball. Southern Miss, they're in the tournament. Now, should one of those teams have been hosting a regional? Shay, tell me, tell me, should we be pissed off about that?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Coastal was uh, probably deserving of a regional. I've been highly ranked, pretty much. I wouldn't say all season because, you know, early in Sunbelt play, I don't think anybody was quite expecting this from them. But they've been a ranked top 15-ish mm. team for quite a while. It's, it seems like a regional host to me.
0: I've seen them ranked in the top 10 which, in some polls. You don't play football, Which they are. So.
4: Yeah, you you, yeah. you confuse me for a second. I thought they were a regional host, and they are. So oh, what are we Are they a regional host? Yeah, what? I thought I they, were, they were, and then you convinced me though. they weren't. But I double checked; they are a regional host. All right.
0: Now this is a problem when you have a when you support a baseball team that hasn't sniffed any postseason action in three of the last four years, and is looking probably not to fire its coach after sixteen horrible seasons. Probably going to have the same goddamn coach. I'm not bitter about this, you know. I'm, I'm just going to. We let can it tell. Go. But yes, I probably should have done my homework a little bit better on that. But all right, well, let's talk about the two other teams that are coming in. From what I understand, part of the last four in, which is kind of incredible, two Sunbelt teams, part of the last four in, according to the powers that be. And that being Louisiana, a perennial Sunbelt powerhouse, who, as we were told by, uh, by Uh, Louisiana themselves, that their pitching just wasn't very good this year. And Troy, the team that Tibbs said was the dark horse contender, the one team that could really do some magic in the postseason. Tibbs nailed it spot on. Troy is in there too. What do you guys think about the field? A four-bid league? Did we get everybody that we needed to get in?
1: I think so. I, I, I think that that was very deserving I think early on when we saw Troy get mm-hmm. two of three from Central Florida in Orlando, I think that really set the pace for how the season was going to go for them. From there, <clears throat> they went two of three also against the Cajuns in Lafayette, not the easiest place to get the wins. And then two of three against Texas State, including a 22-5 to blowout. <laughs> Troy was very deserving. They have the talent. They have the skills. I don't know what they really have to. Uh, how much noise they're going to make in this regional? I, I do think they can get past Boston College on their Friday afternoon game,
3: mm-hmm. but that
1: Alabama team is is going to be tough. Going to be tough at home. Yeah. Uh, and then you have a really good Sanford team that's in that mix as well. I do believe.
0: Yeah, I think I you know just kind of glancing at the matchups. I I didn't see any impossible matchups, like really super hard matchups, but can we, uh, all right, you guys don't have to agree, although I think you will. Would you agree that last year's performance of the Sunbelts from the Sunbelt was a little disappointing, was a bit of a
4: letdown? I think to some degree. I think, you know, when... I'm counting Southern Miss, even though they weren't a Sun Belt last year. But you know, they oh. get to host the Super Regional. You kind of think that they're they're going to be riding a trip to Omaha into the Sun Belt, and then they don't get it done at home. Uh, Georgia Absolutely. Southern hosting Regional doesn't get it done at home. I mean, just yeah, they did. There was a lot of teams that had the opportunity and were playing at home who just uh, didn't really take advantage of having that home field advantage.
0: Absolutely, Shane. It was like a lot of ha. This is the year of the Sun Belt. We may not win the whole thing, but we're going to go far. And then we didn't. But this year, uh, even I think we have fewer teams this year in, but we're still among a very small handful of conferences with four or more teams in in the tournament. And I think that just is remarkable for the Sun Belt. And that the Warhawks and Arkansas State and JMU – you know, aren't sniffing any of that right now. Just makes, makes me, I don't know what it makes for you guys, but makes me hungry for a competitive baseball team. It makes me yearn. It makes me beg to see something on the diamond from the Red Wolves. And I'm sure you, you yearn, Tibbs. You pine for something from the Warhawks. And I I, I can't say that you pine better performance from the Dukes because the Dukes did pretty well this year, considering, considering that they were not picked to do very well. You must be feeling fairly good about the Dukes.
4: Yeah. I mean, they're Jimmy. Baseball is in a weird place kind of where, um, you know, they're not living up probably to the standards set by some of the other teams on campus, yeah. but they seem to be trending in kind of the right direction. But when I mean, you talk about uh, Arkansas state, hanging on to a coach for, what would you say, 14 years?
0: Uh, I think this, it, if, if we may hold on to him, it'll be like 17 years. 17.
4: Yeah. Years. I, I believe this is like uh, Eikenberry's eighth season at JMU. Yeah. Um, and, you know, every time his contract gets renewed or rolled over, like there's some grumbling about that because I haven't been to the NCAA tournament, I haven't won a conference championship. Um, and, but, you know, they seem to be going in the right direction. They um, had some, you know, did the COVID years really count against you? Like when things were so weird in baseball in spring and you stop in the middle of one season and you're s- canceling games the next season and
1: stupid know, I, season.
4: I feel like they're probably heading in the right direction, even if, you know, a lot of JMU fans would say, hey, no NCAA tournaments is not acceptable. I mean I think I think he probably earned some more time
0: yeah the the situation at Arkansas State is actually even more dire Uh, no conference championships no even sniffs it's been since the 90s since Arkansas State was invited to the NCAA tournament we've had losing seasons I think at least at least three in the last four seasons, maybe beyond that. I got to look back on that. The head coach is a guy named Tommy Raffo, really nice guy, great guy. And there's two camps when we talk about Tommy Raffo. One, this is Raffo's fault. He's been there for a long time. He can't build a program. He can't find the pitching. He can't find the hitting. He can't recruit. He can't coach. He's a nice guy. We got to let him go. And then the other camp is – well, you know, we put all of our money into football and basketball and God help Tommy Raffo. He just does not have the resources to get the job done. If we fire Raffo, who are we going to get to take such a, a, a shit job is, is kind of what the, the thoughts are. And I kind of want to hear what the thoughts are for the Warhawks. Like the Warhawks, I don't know. I can't remember the last time that ULM has been a threat in baseball. 2012. Take into that tip.
1: 2012, almost a decade ago when they okay. won the Sunbelt Conference tournament. Yeah. I believe they were maybe runner up in the regular season that year. They might have won the regular season. Went to the NCAA regional, lost to LSU three to Ooh. one. Oh. Beat Belmont. Okay. Lost to LSU. <laughs> and that was that was a wrap.
0: Wow, you had to um, that was queued <laughs> up.
1: I, I I was just there. Um, you know, the expectations. I I think you have to kind of baby step it first, right? I mean, we we got to get out of the cellar. We got to move up the standings sure. and be competitive in the Sun Belt. I I, I don't want to sit here and say, oh well, we you know we have to make it to Omaha. We have to make it to a super regional, regional. I think you just got to make it to Montgomery first. You haven't done that uh, now twice in the past five years um to advance into the the postseason tournament baby steps make make it to the gump and see what happens there and preferably not on the first day so you're not having to have that stress of the the one and done you, you're at least in the double elimination so maybe you're there for two days but i think that's the first step that you got to do before you can really say hey we're we're going to be contenders and, and and not pretenders
0: i think the shame about this Tibbs for ULM and for Arkansas state is that we've had several years where the Sunbelt was always sort of a good baseball, uh, conference, but not a, not like a world on fire conference. We get maybe two guys, two teams in, we, we count ourselves lucky. Suddenly the Sunbelt is a legit powerhouse in baseball. I there's no even question about it. You can't even like wink and nod and go, sure, little buddy. It's true. And ULM and Arkansas State aren't, I can't speak for ULM and I won't, but I'm, I'm just guessing that they're just not in position right now to take advantage of this meteor to ride into. You know, even JMU coming in, you know, fresh from, you know, the FCS coming into this into this baseball environment immediately took advantage immediately ingrained themselves into the fabric of competitive baseball and the red wolves and the warhawks continue to flounder in this space and it is so frustrating but we're not here to like bitch and complain about the losers we're really here to talk about who's going to win the whole damn thing right of the four guys of the four I want you guys to pick who's going to go the furthest.
1: First of all, I I I misspoke when I said the road out of Tuscaloosa was Sanford. That was a projected mm-hmm. regional. It's actually somebody from the boot, the Southland conference champion, Nichols State. Oh, okay. Is the four seed in Tuscaloosa. Right. Doesn't matter. I don't think that the Sun Belt is going to be relevant in Tuscaloosa. I think the two teams that you're going to see advance to a super regional Southern Miss, Coastal Carolina.
0: Because they're the two strongest teams.
1: For sure. And the and, and the probably- deepest pitching.
0: Yeah, because Louisiana doesn't have the pitching. Now does Troy have pitching?
1: They have the bats. They can outscore you. It doesn't matter about the pitching.
0: Okay, well, that's what they would the Cajuns would say that. What about you, Shane? Who is gonna go the
4: furthest? I mean, I gotta say coastal. I mean, just because they've been the best team. They've got the best the road playing a regional at home. Uh, you know, I mean, Southern Miss, though, they came out of that two seed situation winning a regional on the road last year. Um, so, you know, he can do it. They know they've got a lot to play for sending their coach off in style. I mean, they would love to uh, keep that season going for a few more weeks and, you know, <laughs> extend his career a little bit longer.
0: That's a great storyline, but also Coastal Carolina's coach says, hey, I, I, I'm Gary Gilmore. I've been coaching a long time, too, and I'm quitting next year. <laughs> Why do you think he makes that announcement at this time? Is it a bit of, of hey, we got to wrap this up one more time for the Gipper? I don't know how things are going to go next year, but this year you guys need to get behind me and get me into that championship game. Is Is, is there a little bit of... You think there's a little bit of head games going on with Gary Gilmore?
4: I don't know. I don't. I don't know him well enough to uh, to comment on it. Really, I mean, maybe he was tired of getting asked when he was going <laughs> to retire, and he just wanted to put it out there. I don't know. But
0: that it's is the funny old, though, It's that. the
4: old uh, Roy Williams retire suddenly, yeah. or Coach K, I want my farewell tour type of deal, isn't yeah. it? Like uh, <laughs> how you decide to do it. <laughs>
0: That does always crack me up. Announcing your retiring not this season, which is already still going on, but next season, so I can kind of like get my accolades as I I go from town to town. I always I I like the guys that just kind of retire. You know, like uh the basketball player um uh, he played for the Knicks for a long, Carmelo Anthony. He just
2: retired.
0: No no farewell tour. No even big announcement during the last game of the season. Just said, uh, yep, hanging it up. But uh, yeah, I I have to agree. I I I actually I'm putting my money on the chance this year. I really think they're a legit good team. You know, Southern Miss start off kind of rocky. It seemed like it took them some time for their pitching to get to get together. It, it is now, but who knows what happens uh, in the heat of battle? Coastal Carolina, even though it was a few years ago, they've been they've been there. They know the heat of that tournament. They felt it. They've given it. And now they're back, and Gilmore certainly knows what it takes to advance his team. Uh, I, but I tell you what, Tibbs, you got me believing in Troy, man. You mentioned Troy a few weeks ago, and ever since then, it seems like Troy has been some level of unstoppable. So, uh, if, if Coastal is my, my first pick, Troy is my
3: dark horse. In addition. To baseball going on we had softball we we have not
1: got to speak since that happened the raging cajuns out able to escape the red stick and head west to washington where they were swept two games to none still made it to a super regional though i think the bigger miss out of that though was that the cajuns could have played in state mcneese state if McNeese hadn't have just absolutely shit the bed in the sixth and seventh inning, they would have won that regional over Washington and traveled to Lafayette for a I-10 battle.
0: And <laughs> something that was probably of great interest to you because you love those smaller Louisiana schools. Your fingers are on the pulse of that. You say it's to LSU, like any game against LSU, you're like... Pfft. You say give me Nichols State, give me give give me McNeese. give me all these little schools with a fight in them. That's what you like, Tibbs.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's. I'm, I'm jealous that we don't have a, a Buffalo school like like Harding.
0: <laughs> Harding's the best. I love Harding. <laughs> uh, yeah, but all right. So yeah, the yeah. I saw that Liberty had a big upset win. Uh, that, that that was like news. Yeah, I, who they be? It was like North Carolina, maybe? I forget. It was like a top tier team. And it was like, oh my God, how Liberty do it? I'm like, well, it's because group of five and smaller schools, they're catching up with you, brother, when it comes to softball and baseball. And you get a le- team like the Cajuns who are just legit good. We're going to see some uh, legacy time when it comes to Sunbelt and softball. I'm very excited about that.
1: My question to you, though, Shane, was Marshall robbed that they made it all the way to the finals and lost to the Cages just one nothing? Were they robbed of not getting into the regionals? I think probably. I mean,
4: if you kind of go by the history of the Sun Belt, softball, I think you kind of got to give the benefit of the doubt to a team that had that good of a regular season. And like you said, made it to the finals against a really good Louisiana team. Um, you know, if they had a chance to play them in the regular season, they'd probably get one of those, you know, a quality win. Maybe not take the series, but they'd probably get at least a good win out of it. And, you know, it, yeah, it's tough luck for Marshall, as good as the seasons they had, like historic kind of season for Marshall softball.
1: All the talk about the Diamonds, it's still football season. It's always football season, guys. It's always football season, guys. The Sunbelt Conference released the bowl slate. New Orleans Bowl will kick off the Sunbelt Conference slate with that game in the Louisiana Superdome, December 16th. It's an actual afternoon game, Jeremy. One o'clock. Wow.
0: That is crazy. It's so unlike the New Orleans Bowl of late. Because I remember going to the New Orleans Bowl, it would start like at eight o'clock at night on a Sunday. So this is wild. This is this is something new.
1: Sunbelt so still with just five guaranteed bowl games. Obviously, the RNL no carriers, New Orleans Bowl, the Cure Bowl, Myrtle Beach Camellia, and the sixty-eight Ventures Bowl, which I had no idea what that is. That is the Mobile Bowl. That's, Go Daddy that's the bowl,
0: Go Daddy Bowl, <laughs> Lenders Tree Bowl. Yeah, okay, I got it. They Dollar
1: General, do all of the above, and, and, and I still believe- the the contingency agreements are still in place with ESPN events, which is that random bowl game of if it's needed, it's in Frisco, Texas. And your favorite, Jeremy, the Independence Bowl.
0: I love the Independence Bowl. but Is the New Orleans Bowl still the the top Sunbelt team supposed to go to that? Like the the guys that win the Sunbelt, that's their designated bowl. Is that still true?
1: That is not true. It is all slotting.
0: Okay. All right, so did they, have they Did they change that this year, or is it they changed that for a while? Because it used to be if you won the Sun Belt. The you New went to Orleans New Orleans. Bowl, yes. Now, if you were, you know, if you, you know, somebody took you to a, a more prestigious bowl, then somebody else would fill in that slot. But the New Orleans Bowl was more or less the Sun Belt Bowl. So it's no longer the Sun Belt Bowl.
1: It's been at least the past three, four years. It, it, it has not been... The champion that's gone.
3: Okay, I mean, it
1: could have sense. been the champion to go, to go, but it's also because it was the better matchup.
0: I gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, so, all right. That's good. That's good. Do did we, did, did anything else come out of that news that we need to be talking about?
1: It all gets started on Thursday night, August 31st. Mm-hmm. Rhode Island headed to the ATL to kick off Sunbelt Conference action
0: they're taking on the Panthers.
1: They are taking on the Panthers.
0: The Panthers get the first Sunbelt game of the year.
1: That is correct.
0: That's pretty good. Yeah. Good for the Panthers.
1: Second game is Arkansas state. Going to the dyslexic OU when it's the university of Oklahoma,
0: we get the first Sunbelt game of the Saturday, right? That's a Saturday game, right? That's not some goofy Friday game.
1: Bright and early, 11 a.m. on ESPN. Yeah,
0: we're very excited about that. The last time Arkansas State played OU was in the year 2000. Got crushed, uh, predictably enough. That Red Wolves team, which was actually an Indians team at that time, lost 11 games. The last game of the year, they played North Texas and won. <laughs> so that was where they got their one victory. So uh my brother and I, Rex Steele, were, were commiserating about that 2000 season. Man, if you were a fan of the Dark Age Indians, you deserve free meals at Olive Garden for the rest of your life. That was a tough road to hoe. But uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that Oklahoma game. It's going to be cool. It's going to be great. I'm glad to hear that the Panthers got that first game. The Panthers need that. It should get that kind of publicity. Big city school, you know, up-and-coming team. Who they got? They got Rhode Island that's kind of not a great matchup. I wish, wish we could have had a better matchup to start off the sunbelt, but what can we say?
4: You know what? We talk about how Georgia state tends to not kick it into gear at the start of the oh. season. So maybe <laughs> being first and all alone, starting out on a Thursday night against a team that they should handle. Maybe that jump starts them a little bit early and we're not saying, Hey, why does this, is, why is this Georgia State team winning in October when they, like, sucked it up in September?
0: That would be highly unusual, Shane. And also, what if they just do two, two to four and just lay a huge turn for Rhode Island? <laughs>
4: that, that, that would not be a good start to the season. But when you, you know. know you got but all in, eyes on you, maybe that's what in, they need to start us that off. That would
0: be so Panthers to do that, to be like, you know, Rhode Island, you're, you're not really known for your football, but we're going to give you a win. Right there, first game of the season in Atlanta. That's an old Turner Field. Don't call it Turner Field. They get mad when you call it that. But I call it that anyway because I cannot remember what they
1: call it now. Three interesting games to kick off the season. Actually, the nightcaps. Old Dominion makes the return trip to Virginia Tech. Remember the Monarchs came into the league last year swinging and beat the Hokies. Yeah, that was a great game. South Alabama heads to the Big Easy. To play your G five darlings Tulane,
0: man, we got to beat that. We got to beat the wave. I go South Alabama. I can't stand the Green Wave right now.
1: And then to close it out, midnight football for all of us in America, except for those on the West Coast. Your shots are headed to the si- the scene of the crime of the UCLA game last year <laughs> to play the Bruins.
0: The, haven't the Bruins learned their lesson? I guess not. You don't invite a Sunbelt team onto your turf and expect to walk away clean. Oh, oof. Man, what a long trip for the Chanticleers. clears. What a, a tough start uh, for the new head coach out there. That's going to be a, a rough game to play, but I guess, you know, again, all eyeballs, everybody was going to be worn out and tired they're going to click on their TV, see that the Chants are playing UCLA at eleven o'clock at night or something crazy, and uh, we're going to be watching. We're going to be we'll find another gear and, and 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 end up at least getting that first half right.
1: Shane is as, as as the countdown clock already started for Bucknell coming to <laughs> Harrisonburg. Uh Jim, you fans might be overlooking that one. A little bit.
4: I mean, it'll be it'll be fun, home opener. But they're looking forward to the next week where they uh, invade Charlottesville, forty-five minutes down the road, and uh, go to Virginia.
0: Yeah, that'll be a good game. But yeah, I tell you what, there is nothing worse than tanking against your FCS opponent in week one. Yeah. (laughs) Don't look past Bucknell. I don't know anything about Bucknell and their football program. And that might be what makes them dangerous, Shane. You better look out.
1: As, as much as I like those opening weekend games, and Shane mentioned at week two, James Madison at Virginia, a couple other week two games that I'm very interested to see. UAB headed to Georgia Southern.
3: Yeah. The uh-huh. Cajuns
1: and Old Dominion already kick off Sunbelt Conference action in week two. But the one that I have circled the most – there's okay. actually three games that I have circled.
0: Okay, Are we Jacksonville,
1: Jacksonville State uh-huh. goes to Coastal, the uh-huh. Conference USA, and they just recently landed four-star Nebraska transfer at quarterback. I cannot think of his name off the top of my head. That's, gonna, that's not your, your normal Jack State that is in Conference USA. And then uh-huh. Marshall goes to ECU, Texas State. To UTSA, that is the weekend of early football.
0: Texas State UTSA is going to be a fun game. I I, I think too we're, we're really going. You know, you mentioned you know Jackson State, but I, I think the the two and the reason why that yeah, I was thinking of Coach Deion Sanders, the two programs that have taken the most FCS students this year has been Colorado and Texas state, which makes sense because both programs have taken their coaches from the FCS ranks and they're taking people from their own. I am fascinated with incarnate Bobcats. What we call them, the in in, in car cats incarnate Bob. We had a word for them. The for the incarnate word cats that's what was the ur- ur- yes. incarnate word the word cats that's who they are i am fascinated to see if this this transition works i think we talked a little bit about last week how when you get a bunch of fcs guys from the same team it's actually a really good mix because there's a bunch of guys who have played together and know the system maybe they don't have that 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 speed and size that most teams you have, but what they have is a game plan and, and and cohesiveness. I would like to see what the WordCats do this year. And UTSA will be a great time to see, or a great opponent to see what they have.
1: So, with that said, we bring in our guest, Tom Burnett, former Sunbelt Conference associate commissioner, and also the former commissioner of the Southland Conference. He took over for Greg Oh who left okay. the Southland for the SEC.
0: Oh, so he could have an opening. That's much well, Whatever
1: happened to that guy? So, Shane, one of the big things that we always try to do on the podcast is really remember the roots of how the Sun Belt got to be in this state of being the premier G5 league. And one of the guys that we have on today, Shane, we still can't get right waters because i think you scared him off there shane but we have the associate commissioner at the time that the sunbelt joined uh or joined the ranks of having fbs
2: football tom burnett joins us tom welcome in great dusty uh great to be with you and uh shane and uh, talk about maybe the the good old days of uh, sunbelt football
1: so i was there at that first uh sunbelt conference game ULM hosting Middle Tennessee, and I remember looking at Wright Waters going, well, Kamish, uh, what do you think? And and I think his, his exact words right before he walked out onto the field was, man, I hope this sticks. <laughs> was there really that much uh, uh, pessimism, I guess you could say, going into that 2001 season?
2: Yeah, you know, I don't know if it was pessimism so much. There, there was certainly a lot of excitement because, you know, having been in this region um, – you know, having worked with a lot of these schools for a long time, even going back to the the Sun Belt's predecessor, the American South Conference. Um, you know, these were kind of, you know, these ships at sea, these football programs didn't really have a home. Some were independent, some were in the Big West Conference. And obviously, almost all of them came from one AA with maybe an exception or two. So they were still trying to find their way uh, in 1A at the time. So th- there was just a, a lot of, um, you know, uh, I don't know, it was confusion so much, but there, there was they, they needed someone to really get their arms around these programs, bring them together, sell them a story that, you know, this could work. It's going to take a while, but this could work. But and it doesn't, it can't work if you're going to stay independent, if you're going to stay in a far flung geographic conference. It was a real opportunity there. And, um, you know, I, I think the phrasing that I remember, um, right talking about in the office with our staff was be careful what we wish for, cause we just got it. And that was, a a one, a, 1A, you know, now FBS football conference that, you know, uh, led to a whole lot of other issues that uh, I'm sure we'll talk about as well. But, uh, it, it was a crazy time but but a good time looking back when you when you looked
1: around obviously the Sun Belt was established really known kind of back then more as a basketball conference was the membership there really approached at the time like Louisiana Tech um and and those other schools about joining in football or was there already a a plan in place to to know that you were going after the Idahos and New Mexico states, the Louisiana schools, and so forth.
2: Well, I think there was a focus on the uh, those core Sunbelt schools at the time, which included Louisiana Tech, that you know that there was going to be you know some action taken perhaps on setting up a football conference. I think it was more than just getting the conference together, you know, that that, remember there was no bowl game. There was no television agreement. You know, there was no, we were barely into the internet, I guess, but we, you know, there wasn't any streaming capability like we see today on ESPN plus. So none of that existed. So a lot of those pieces had to come together, but I, I remember the core group, you know, the LaTeX, the, at the time USL, Um, you know, this was, um, uh, before South Alabama had a football program before Western Kentucky had a football program. And I think there was a focus initially on that core group of Sunbelt schools, but then an acknowledgement that we would need to bring programs in. And that's where you had conversations with North Texas and middle Tennessee who came in as full members. You know, this was well before even Western Kentucky added football. So there was a lot of focus. And, and Louisiana Tech and Boise State and some other schools were in these initial meetings that we had. But obviously, the, those were a couple of the schools that took the whack option uh, when it expanded. And some things changed there. And that probably brought more of the, those other independents in the New Mexico State's. <laughs> the ul monroe all of that that uh, kind of came together at that time
4: having uh you know recently covered a team that made that transition to fps and it worth it is it worth the investment is this what we should be doing um and in james madison case it clearly was but to kind of start a league that's almost all going through that process what, what was the kind of uh reaction like at that time to all these programs kind of making
2: a huge huge jump? Yeah you know that's a great question Shane and I think what we're seeing with JMU currently who went from very much the top of FCS into a obviously a very uh, prominent position already uh, in the bowl subdivision that was very different back in 2001. You, You had some programs that Uh, Honestly, might have had some success at the FCS level, uh, as we call it now. But, you know, they they had not established themselves at all. Um, And that that was troubling because it wasn't just one or two. It was a group of them. And if people can remember, Dusty may recall this, having followed the, the league from its beginning as a football entity. But our first champion had a losing overall record. Uh, North Texas had was, I think, maybe five and six. And we had to get a special waiver from the NCAA to allow them to go to the bowl game because they were a conference champion. But, you know, that was an indication that uh, these programs weren't there yet. They needed time to mature and grow. Whereas I th- well, my observation, and I'm very involved still with the FCS championship game here in Frisco, Texas, is that James Madison came from a very different position uh, that they're in now, obviously, um, no question, competitively successful, but have built a program uh, with a great university uh, to make this work. And we've already seen that in year one of their transition to FBS.
1: What was the reception from like the university presidents? Cause I mean, at the end of the day, them and the athletic directors are really the ones that kind of give a thumbs up, thumbs down. Was this well-received when you, when you talked about that initial league ranging from Arkansas state, Idaho, New Mexico state, I mean, the travel wasn't easy for anybody.
2: Yeah. I I think you're right there. Understanding that, that, that football travel can be, even if it's far flung, so to speak, can be a bit more managed than if you're talking about other sports and you know, uh, double round robin schedules and that type thing. You know, I I think the presidents and the athletic directors, oh, maybe it was a point of exhaustion where they had tried everything else. And there was always talk about a more regional conference setup, and how do we get at that? And that's where, again, when, when Wright Waters came on board in late 98, I believe it was, he was charged with putting that together. So while 01 was the first season, we were working on this, you know, the moment Wright walked in the door, um, late 98, early 99, and, and putting that together. Um, and that obviously included not only getting the schools together to form a league, but to also try to find a postseason opportunity and any kind of television at that time. Well,
4: at all difficult to kind of keep everybody on board early on knowing like those challenges you were facing and like
2: keep everybody looking ahead to like what the league could become if you gave it some time yeah another great question I would say the the, the clincher so to speak on uh, keeping those teams together moving forward was the uh, really the, the creation of the New Orleans ball Uh, which again was Wright waters and uh, some folks uh, in new Orleans, the greater new Orleans sports foundation that put that together at the superdome. That was a key in all of this was that there was some trepidation about forming the conference. It was that the champion had to have a bowl opportunity and it was the new Orleans bowl, um, as modest a startup as it could be. Um, and there were like two or three of us that, you know, were working off the back of napkins and, you know, anything we could write notes down on and trying to form committees and such to put that event together and find a TV window for it. You know, that I think is the glue that held the the league together early on. Although now with hindsight looking back, I, I think those schools were going to be committed to each other. I I, I don't know that they had any other you know, real options perhaps that we saw later on in the series of realignment uh, phases that we've gone through. Was there ever a point where, where, you know, kind of to Shane's
1: uh, point there that it was like, all right, this doesn't work. We got to pull the plug.
2: No, I don't ever recall that. Now, understand, I was there for the first two seasons of Sunbelt football. Then I became the Southland conference commissioner here in the Dallas area. So I you know, I, I kind of stepped away from all of that. But I don't ever recall a moment where, you know, this isn't working. Uh, again, we weren't quite to, you know, the widespread realignment that we later saw with Conference USA and uh, other con- uh, other leagues as well. But I don't recall that. Um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, once uh, some schools made their decision to go to the WAC. And that kind of clarified things for the Sunbelt and said, "Okay, here's our group. Here's our family. Um, You know, we're going to embrace them and we're going to move forward. And, um, you know, that that included some struggles early on competitively and just growing their programs. But now, as we've seen, facilities have have dramatically changed. You know, coaching hires are very different than they were uh, in the early 2000s. And obviously, people have seen the value of, you know, being a part of the CFP contract and the revenue distribution that comes from that at that level, even for the Sunbelt. So um, I, I think uh, overall, uh, whether you looked at it short term or long term, these were these were very good decisions for these programs.
1: You mentioned leaving the Sunbelt for the Southland. You really helped build that league into kind of the SEC of the FCS. Um <laughs> When you look at that, which which do you feel w- w- was kind of your bigger accomplishment that you were able to plant the seed for an FBS football conference, or that you built kind of from the ground up? I won't. Oh, I wouldn't say the ground up because Southland's always been pr- uh, a pretty good Premier League, but really established the Southland as being that Premier FCS league. Sorry, well,
2: I appreciate those thoughts. Um, You know, some might argue uh, the, the SEC uh, tagline there. I appreciate that and. Of course, uh, my predecessor in this job, it was Greg Sankey, who's now the SEC commissioner. So, you know, the the challenge at the Southland was it was a very good conference. Uh, And in fact, I'll, I'll tie this into that first season of Sunbelt football. If you were to go back and look, our Sunbelt teams lost a few games to the Southland. And I understood that because I lived in the region. I understood how good the Southland was. But I can tell you, Commissioner Waters had a big, big problem with that and really kind of made that bulletin board material, you know. But, you know, when you, when you play McNeese and you play Stephen F. Austin and Northwestern State, you, you better come ready um, because they're, uh, they're, they're maximizing what they can get out of 63 scholarships. And uh, they play a very good brand of football. So, you know, very proud of, of what we were able to do at the Southland. You know, we, we made some, uh, I think, some advancements in basketball. Uh, as well, but uh, the football's always been strong. And, um, you know, now that league is 60 years old. So it's now moving into its seventh decade since its founding back in the early 60s. So uh, a great league. And I was proud to be a part of it. But uh, no question the work I did at the Sunbelt. And part of that was the football, uh, because I had to speak, you know, that language when I went to interview for the Southland job um, was very important for me. And, and you know, I, I very much value my time at the Sunbelt and that initial period where I helped with the startup of football.
1: And as when you were commissioner there of, of the Southland, were you, what were those conversations like? Cause surely there were, there were conferences or even teams trying to do exits. You know, they want to always be at that, that one, a or FBS level. What were those conversations like with those teams or, or as a commissioner? How did you try to keep the Southland together?
2: Well, it was always a challenge because I, I think that, um, you know, I, I've often said that no matter what campus you're at, you operate within a, a bubble and you could be at the junior college level. You could be at the power five level. You're in a, in a certain bubble where everything inside that bubble I refer to it as your academics are Ivy League and your athletics are SEC. And we all are guilty of that. And I was guilty of that uh, as um, a Sunbelt staff member and later the Southland commissioner. Um, But, you know, everyone sees that. So you're always in a conversation about the company you keep. Are we at the best position we can be in, you know, competitively, academically? I would say a lot of school presidents love the association with prominent schools that may be prominent athletically and academically. And there was an association, I, th- I thought there was an appeal to be at that highest level uh, of classification in the NCAA because who doesn't want to be at the highest level? In the Southland, You know, we would argue that You know, you can go and have a paper designation perhaps, but if you're not competitively successful, if you're not growing your programs, if you're cutting uh, other sports uh, to make something work, then what have you really accomplished long term? But, you know, those are arguments that you would have back and forth. And, you know, we had a number of schools uh, such as Texas State now in the Sunbelt that was a, a Southland member you know, Sam Houston State's now going to Conference USA. So, you know, there was always that migration uh, to FBS. And some of that, I think you, you just couldn't avoid. But uh, at, at times, there's others that have looked at it and said, you know, maybe, you know, we're, we're better off where we are. And that, that's probably a, 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 an argument that's going to continue forever. When you look back
1: at your time uh, in the Sun Belt, is there maybe one thing that you would have done differently, and, and and kind of see how that played out in the league?
2: Well, you know, I, it's probably easy to look back and say, you know, uh, early on, you know, I wish we would have had more bowl opportunities. But you know what, the New Orleans Bowl was, it, it was, it, it kind of fell in our lap to a certain degree, and I, I don't want to underestimate, you know, Wright Waters kind of willed that um because you're dealing with the superdome one of the most famous you know uh, facilities in the world and you know all of that you know you kind of look back you know i think our our first television deal was a, a weekly syndicated uh package uh through espn but it, you know you, you might have found it uh, on way up the channel in some of the local markets uh, some of the uh, over the air television things like that so you know, I, I think you can look back and and regret. I, but the reality was, this was going to take some time. We weren't going to have instant success. Although I will say, in that second year uh, before I left the the Sun Belt, North Texas beat Cincinnati in that uh, second uh, New Orleans Bowl. So that was a a nice breakthrough and just kind of a you know kind of gave us confidence that we were on the right track and all of that. So. I don't know that there were any regrets as such. Um, you know, um, it, it was an interesting time, and, and I think that, um, you know, I, I don't know that you could do that in this day and age. I think things have changed to the degree that trying to start up a league like that, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's going to be very hard to do. Tom,
1: can't thank you enough for going down memory lane there with us as we talked Southland, Sunbelt, and everything in between. Always love uh, learning the history of the league and, and uh, appreciate your time.
2: Yeah, you bet, Dusty. Great to be with you and Shane, and um, uh, happy to, to help wherever I can. Thanks, guys. So there it is. We we always bring
1: back the roots of the Sun Belt, trying mm-hmm. to keep the history alive of this great G5 league. It, it was It was refreshing, though, to hear him say there was never, at least at a conference level, the idea of – this shit ain't working. We got to pull the plug, which was great to hear.
0: Uh, you know, when I was when I was talking to my brother about the 2000 um, Red Bull or Arkansas State Indians at the time, that was right when they were joining the Sun Belt and the news of the Sun Belt creating this, this football league. And, you know, North Texas was among those being drawn in. And we're like, both thought to ourselves, this is going to be the worst conference ever assembled. (laughs) I mean, some of these teams that are being brought in, including us, it's going to be horrible. And look how it's turned out. It's turned out great. It took a little time. It took investment. It took, you know, creativity. But here we are.
1: Well, even as Tom said, you know, that, that first year, you have your conference champion that has a losing record. You have to get an NCAA waiver for them to go to the New Orleans Bowl.
0: I know. It was like we were just kind of goofing around. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. And now look at us. (laughs) We're top of the world.
4: It's it's a pretty incredible story. Like when you to, I mean, we all can remember it. Like that the sun belt, the whole fun belt thing used to kind of be a joke.
0: It was Um, a joke.
4: And like, you know, but to hear him kind of lay it out, the whole history of it, you know, again is it is like like Tib said, it's good to always kind of revisit that and remember remember the story of how the Sunbelt got to be potentially the best group of five conference.
1: Don't it say potentially, like when
0: Shane. When, Shane, it was like when you were just a, a a a modest copy boy at the newspaper, at the daily news record, you know, fetching coffees, you know, maybe setting some type on the printing press. You know, maybe doing the old obituary beat. And now look at you. Hewlett surprise winning. Super reporter Shane Metlin. That's what the Sunbelt is. It started off in the lowly bowels of the printing room. And now they're the editor of college football.
2: And on that note,
1: it is definitely time for plugs, <laughs> promos, and parting shots. Shane, we... Uh turn our attention to you sir well
4: we talked about june content a little bit earlier Uh late may content tv wise this (laughs) past like four days yeah like i've been a little bit busy but i had to make time for just an unbelievable four days of television with finales of succession barry those Uh two great shows i don't know if anybody else either of you guys watch that um, Ted Lasso finale Netflix? I just finished that like I it was it had to be kind of like down my priority list because also was the season three premiere of I think you should leave on Netflix which is is it good my favorite show yes I have watched it over and over and over again I've got my college roommate texting me about it like as we try to do this and I get distracted by his text so If anybody hasn't seen it yet, that's my plug. Is check out. I think you should leave, and then we'll know if we can be friends or not. Because it's divisive on whether people like it or not. But we can be friends if you like it.
0: It, And I will check it out, you know, and uh, we'll pretend we like it for the sake of this friendship.
4: Okay. And you'll, (laughs) if you follow me on Twitter too, you'll uh, recognize like half the like memes I post. They're pretty much from. Okay. Okay. Because
0: right now on Twitter, it's like. Every other post is su- succession related.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I haven't watched the show. I'm getting ready to start it because of all this, but I am tired of seeing it on Twitter. <laughs> I, I'm, I, will, I will like for yeah. that the moment. Another show that had its uh ending was uh something called Yellow Jackets. Have you watched Yellow Jackets?
4: I it's haven't showtime. watched that one. I don't think I get
0: showtime. It's actually pretty wild if you ever get the whole little bit of cannibalism involved. It's awesome. I'm sure Dusty. Who lives in louisiana or who had lived in louisiana probably has his fair and intimate moments with
1: cannibalism um i was hungry a lot in college i was never that hungry
3: <laughs> jeremy
1: uh,
4: Hart of uh, com quote cannibalism is awesome it's <laughs> tremendous
0: <laughs> All right, so plugs parting shot. you know I, here's here's a it's a sort of a parting plug. and I, I'm I'm gonna hand it to the people of James Madison. You remember Shane when you kind of irked the people of uh, Boone? Remember
4: yeah. that when you carelessly irked all those people? i I can't forget because I talk to you every week.
0: <laughs> I like to bring <laughs> it up because I want you to know that you don't irk the people of Boone. Well, you don't irk the people. Of Harrisonburg, either. So, you know, I wrote that story, that June content that actually came out in May about asteroids destroying every city in the Sun Belt, right? And for whatever reason, I listed Harrisonburg as Harrisburg. Now, don't you think that that would be like a, a common mistake? I mean, Harrisburg is actually easier to say than Harrisonburg. But if you write JMU, which is located in Harrisburg, you get a lot of shit talk for some Harrisonburg guys who'll say, "Well, was that? Does that somewhere in Pennsylvania? I don't know what you're talking about. Where the hell is Harrisburg? I know where Harrisonburg is. I don't. I don't know where Harrisburg is." So, congratulations to the town folks of Harrisonburg who who set me straight. I, I feel a little bit more educated now about. The, the the Hamlet that hosts JMU, and I will not make that mistake again. I will not make the mistake that Shane did and continue ag- antagonizing the people of Boone. I will no longer antagonize the people of Harrisonburg. I have learned my lesson.
1: That's really good. For, the, <laughs> for the lesson learned, Jeremy <laughs> yeah. and Shane, I know that y'all are true believers. I know that y'all know that they're out there. But yeah. finally, yeah. NASA is set to host historic yeah. UFO hearings. Hmm. And they're set to unveil the first findings from a study into unidentified craft in our skies and oceans, Jeremy. They're everywhere.
0: They and don't the limit Pentagon.
1: Themselves. Yeah. The Pentagon even admits there's metallic orbs that have been seen all over the world.
2: Whoa.
1: This is a new day and age where they finally admit that they are real and Jeremy is one of them.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I I was a huge X-Files fan. I don't know if you guys watched X-Files when it came out. I watched every single season of it, every single episode. One of the reasons why my wife and I are together is because we both like the X Files, and that kind of brought us together, gave us some common ground. That started the glue that that has glued our relationship together. I don't know if I've ever really believed in extraterrestrials. I, I know that this I, I, I've seen, you know, like th- this this coming from NASA and from and from the Pentagon. Yes, we're going to reveal all the files. I, I I feel like there's probably some sort of natural or or, 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 or too simplistic answer for all of it. I hope I'm wrong because, as X says, Tibbs, I want to believe because it would be a lot more exciting to know that we are not alone in this universe. So, hopefully, hopefully, maybe, maybe my skepticism will be put to the side for this.
1: As a Red Wolves fan, Jeremy, all you can do is believe.